What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's guest is Ryan Helms, the co-founder and CEO of Legacy Podcasting. Ryan is a content marketing expert with experience doing podcast launches, YouTube launches, production, editing, marketing, social media, and consulting with some of the biggest entrepreneurs and tech companies in the world. And I am so stoked to bring him on because I personally watch a lot of his videos to understand how I can be a more effective podcast host and producer. In this episode, we chat about how you can start a podcast and a brand on the side of your corporate job, what it takes to build something from nothing, and all the ups and downs that come along with going all in on your business. So let's learn how to build your brand and create your content funnel by welcoming Ryan Helms to the show. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here, back with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. And I'm super stoked for today's episode because, again, I've eclipsed the 150 mark and it's been a wild ride, but my goal as you know, is always to encourage other people to go after their dreams. And if one of your aspirations is to start your own podcast. I brought on a guy that could potentially help you do so. He's been around the block and I look forward to every video that he drops because he drops a ton of knowledge on how I can improve my own podcast and potentially how you can get yours started. Please welcome to the show, Ryan Helms. How are you doing today, Ryan? What's up, dude? Stoked to be here. Oh yeah. So we're going to get right into it. But before we chop it up about podcasts, you're new to Austin, correct? Yes. Three and a half months. Oh yeah. What has been your favorite part about Austin, Texas so far? So two things, how active it is. There's always people around, always people running, biking. The city is very conducive for that type of stuff. Like you can bike pretty much anywhere you want to go. And then I also love the fact that everybody else just moved here as well. (laughs) I've noticed that as well. Like I've been here five years and everyone I run into is either like just moved here or moved here within I would say the past like couple of years. Where did you move from? And then the people that you run into, where does it seem that they're coming from? Yeah, the last like home base we had was in Georgia. Okay. And we like did, we lived in a van for six months and then Denver and then here. Uh, So it was a crazy 2021. But uh, I've seen a lot of uh, California. Uh, I think a lot of people, yeah, from California. Where in your van life? I'm just doing rapid fire real quick because. To those listening, uh, I met Ryan one time at a comedy show. We went to see Joe Rogan. Our buddy Carlos invited us and really kind of connected with you because obviously with the podcasting, I'd love to just learn a a little bit more about you before we chop it up. In terms of van life, where was your favorite place that you visited? Uh, So Mexico was cool. We drove down into Baja Peninsula, so that was fun. Surprisingly, I really liked a place that I'd been to before Destin, Florida. Like we stayed in a place like right on the beach in Destin, Florida, and it was beautiful. Tons of beautiful places in California, but the one that like really stands out is just like driving through Utah. It's like feel like you're driving on Mars. I don't know if you've ever like driven through it, but going from Colorado like towards Nevada, it's like you're. In Did a- you ever visit Moab? Uh, we drove through it. Yeah, my yeah. buddy Eric Hinman used to live up in Moab and like seeing him ride his mountain bike through there literally looks like Mars. Yeah. It's, it's wild. It's super wild. Do you know Casey Neistat? Yes. So funny story when we were driving back the other way from, uh, West to East and we were going to Colorado, uh, we were basically like beside him the whole time in our van. And I knew it was him from an Instagram photo. He Land Rover like gave him one of their new like little SUVs and I saw it because I looked over and he was like looking up at our van like, pointing sick. and I was like that just <laughs> looked just like fucking Casey Neistat and so I told my wife to like get on the phone I was like scroll a little bit back on his Instagram and like we scrolled into like the license plate in one of his IGs and they had photoshopped the license plate the first three they like swapped them and I, the like the last three they're the same i was like what are the odds dude look just like him same color him. yeah and we actually met him at a gas station we both almost ran out of gas because it was like a two and a half hour period where there was nothing no cell service no nothing and we both ran out of, and we talked at a gas station in the middle of nowhere so it was pretty cool oh yeah yeah 
my wife and I were thinking about doing van life, and then we started like seeing how expensive the vans can get, Dude, and yes. we're just like, all right, like maybe another time in the future. But what inspired that journey of yours? Yeah, so we had just bought a house in Atlanta, and we lived there for eight months, and we had like Christmas parties and stuff at our house, like through that period. We had lived in the city before, and we had moved like twenty minutes outside of the city to to buy this house, and we were like. It's not really our vibe. We like being walking distance from things. My wife grew up in Delhi, India. Like I didn't, but I just like that kind of stuff as well. And so we were like, maybe this isn't like for us long-term. So eight months later from the time of purchase, we sold it. And luckily it appreciated a little bit to cover the, the realtor fees. And we sold it completely furnished. And, and discovered uh, all your shit. Everything, like besides our clothes. Uh, so we got rid of pretty much everything. And yeah, moved into the van, which, like you said, was very expensive. Uh, turned out they appreciate it as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we sold it for I think it was either fourteen or sixteen thousand more than we bought it for. And uh, so we got paid a dollar and twenty five cents every mile that we drove it across <laughs> the U.S. This will be the last question I ask, and then we'll we'll dive into to podcasting and all other good things. But what was most unexpected positive from van life and then the thing that was most annoying so like the contrast of like the thing you were least expecting but you were like oh this is kind of nice about yeah. van life and then the other aspect of like man i kind of really miss having a home or a steady place for this reason yeah i would say most unexpected was honestly probably how well my wife took it Cause it was, it was like my idea. Like I had been talking about it. I was the one that was like, let's sell our house. It was like her dream house. And she's nothing wrong with this, but she's very like into like fashion and makeup and stuff like this. I'm like, we're going to go live in a van. And like, she took it exceptionally well, like probably better than I did. Uh, and I would say probably the most unexpected is just like when you own a house, like shit breaks. And yeah. like, it sucks more when all you have is like this little tool bag to like fix things. And like, we got stuck in like New Mexico one time in a place called Farmington, New Mexico, middle of nowhere. And because the inverter, which turns like the solar power into like usable power for like your appliances and stuff went out. So like we were screwed. The little stuff like that, that can just go wrong. And when you're not an electrical genius, you're like, oh man, like there's all these batteries, all these boxes. And yeah, it was just a cluster. Yeah, I can imagine the amount of stress that puts on you because I thought through that like prior to us like going down the, we were Googling vans and different things and what type of van to get. We ultimately were looking at getting more of an Americanized van because then the parts, like if it breaks, you can get parts easier whatever city you're in. But the stories that I've heard, the big issue becomes like you don't know when it's going to be fixed. And when you have a home and you're just chilling at your house and things are getting fixed around your house, like it's not that big of a deal. But when your home is the thing that's getting fixed, what do you end up doing in that scenario? So yeah. glad y'all uh, had a blast and made it here to Austin, Texas, because we just need to add even more awesome people here. <laughs> and that's where I'd love to kick off the whole podcast conversation, which is how did you get into podcasting in the first place? Was it something that you always thought about? Was it something where you were listening to a ton of podcasts prior to jumping into the industry or did it kind of just like fall in your lap? I wouldn't say I was listening to a ton, but how I got into it was besides being like a somewhat passive consumer of other podcasts, there's a long story here, but I was getting a little burnt out in my corporate job, uh, booked a- What was your job? I was a supply chain manager for a big chemical company. Okay. You get like two weeks of vacation, the whole like typical just starting out first 10 years of your career. They don't really give you much uh, much to work with. So I took all two weeks and I bought a, a solo trip to Nairobi, Kenya. And I went on a safari by myself and went to Zanzibar, which is an island off of Tanzania. And like during that time, I saw all these people like traveling and doing all this stuff. And I was like, man, I've got like $250,000 in debt. I've got this <laughs> job that I just used all my vacation on. And these people are traveling for like three months, six months indefinitely. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that, but I want to figure out how. So how that relates to podcasting is when I was flying back, I was like, I want to figure this shit out. So I started listening to a bunch of podcasts to like learn how to do online business. And I was like, man, maybe I could like 
interview people and like ask the questions I would want to ask. And so I created a little niche for myself where I was like, I want to interview people that are either still working a day job and making like 5k a month extra on the side, or within the past three years, they had taken their side hustle full time. So like that was the two criteria. If you fit in one of those, if you had been like an entrepreneur all your life and was making millions, I wouldn't talk to you. If you were like making 500 bucks a month, I wouldn't talk to you. You had to fit this like specific criteria. And so I'd never interviewed anybody in my life, just dove in, started recording. What did your first recording look like? I recorded the first hundred episodes, so you, no one can see this, but there's a little coat closet to the right of me, and I was sitting on, uh, you know, like in the kitchen, you might have a little step stool to like get something off a high shelf, so it's like 16 inches high. I was sitting on a little stool like that in a closet that had all of our clothes in it, a studio condo, and like I was underneath the clothes because the stool was so small, and I recorded a uh, hundred plus episodes like that. And that was like on Zoom? Yeah, Zoom or Squadcast. And one. did you purposely do it in the closet because they say that like closets condense the noise a little bit? You you could say that, but it'd be a lie. Uh, it was. I mean, we were in a studio. <laughs> but condo. Just no, you had no other option. Yeah, it was like. I mean, my wife was living in the condo with me, and so it was like you can only be so quiet in a studio yeah. condo. Like if you're like out, it's like every move. I'm like shh. <laughs> so like getting in the closet was like the closest thing and I put sound deadening stuff like all throughout the closet but yeah little tiny closet smaller than than that one I recorded 100 plus episodes in that's inspiring yeah. so you ended up starting this podcast yep. where did that end up taking you yeah so it took off pretty quick within like six months it got over 100,000 downloads on the podcast and what do you attribute that to big piece of it was timing earlier to the game this was 2016 less competition. So that's like the real answer. I did a lot of optimization and this is something I talk about as well, like how you can optimize a podcast for like the niche that you're going after. So I did a lot of that. Everything I did was based around side hustle. It was in every title of every episode, like everything was around that. So like that was a big piece of it as well. And just getting people to share it, that was huge. So I ended up starting a content marketing agency focused on podcasting met my business partner he interviewed me on his podcast and we ended up starting this agency uh, and then episode 14 of my podcast again pre starting this agency I, I met a business partner for my other business i have a software business that we're just starting now i met this guy and i interviewed him and i was like dude, I'm going to stay in touch with this guy. I was like, he's super sharp. He's funny. He just seemed like he'd be cool to like build something with. And he has a skill set that I don't have at all software. Yeah. And I was like, but I could like market something if I could come up with a good idea. And so I was like always pitching my ideas and he would always <laughs> shoot them down. He was like, this is a bad idea because of X, Y, and Z. And I was like, oh shit, another one. And eventually I pitched him this idea, which we can talk about later. And he was like, dude, that seems like pretty legit. Let's try it. And a little side hustle because he's got a wife, family, full-time gig contracting for the government. And then I've been growing my agency. So we've been dabbling in this software on the side. And yeah, we're just about to get that out now. But yeah, so all of this happened because of connecting with people just like we are now on a podcast. How many of your podcasts were recorded while you still had that full-time supply chain job? Oh yeah, like a hundred. So I'd love to understand a little bit of the trials and tribulations of trying to record this podcast as you're doing your full-time job. And like, also you mentioned your agency and you kind of spun that up. A lot of people listening to this either have ideas that they want to start and dive into as they are still working at their full-time job, or they're thinking about, they already have an idea and they're thinking about jumping ship and going into that. So anytime that somebody comes on here and has already done that, I'd love to pick their brain on how they went about it. Cause maybe it'll unlock something for somebody else. Yeah. It's definitely not easy I actually think back sometimes, I'm like, how the hell did I do all that? Because at one point, I was releasing two episodes a week of the podcast, working a full-time job where I managed 14 people in our uh, supply chain piece of the business. Started growing the agency. We went zero to 100K in like four and a half months. Had 10 people that at that time that I was managing there. So I was doing like all this stuff. I got married during that period as well. It's kind of crazy to think about it, but like tactically, like how did I do it? Every day I was at Starbucks that was closest to where I worked, had a 30-minute drive to work. There was a Starbucks there. I was there every day at 5.30 when they opened. I was working. 
I was working on the weekend. During lunch break, I would go to that same Starbucks and I would work. During work, I would work on the stuff I watched, probably yeah. shouldn't have been working on. <laughs> and then after work, I would go home and I would work. So it was like I was sacrificing a lot. And even on the weekend, like every morning, I would get up and I would work on projects, the business, the podcast. Uh, I remember my parents came in, this is when we were in Atlanta. My parents came in town and we went, we walked probably about 15 minutes down the road to like this pub, like pizza, beer, wings. We were watching college football, uh, my wife and my, my parents. And like I had to leave and walk back home and go record a podcast interview real quick and walk back. So it's all just about sacrifices. It's like, what do you want to sacrifice to get the thing that you want? And it's just not easy, but you just have to do it and figure out what you're willing to sacrifice to get to where you want to get to. When you were doing that, was there any second guessing in your head of that path of like, man, should I be doing this? Oh yeah. Cause I was trying before we started the agency and we got some traction pretty quickly. I was trying all kinds of stuff. Nothing was really working. Like I was learning so much along the way, like all the stuff that I shouldn't have been doing. I was trying to do everything myself. Like, Oh, I thought I needed a website. So I spent probably no lie. I probably spent 80 hours sitting at a Starbucks over a few months, like building a website that never generated $1. It was like, I was just wasting my time, like doing all this. Guilty as charged. dude. If you're an entrepreneur and you've never done exactly what you said, like, I feel like everyone falls into the website trap. Yeah. Why? I don't know why that is, but sorry to cut you off. That just cracked me up because I tried to do the same thing. Then I spent $500 on somebody to build a website for me that I never even used. And I was like, I forget what the saying is, but like, if you do something cheap, you end up paying twice as much. Took like four times to learn a lesson on that front. You know, I never even realized how stupid that was until one of my friends that we just went to the mountains with a few weeks back, he's got a a business that's done over 10 million and they don't even have a website. And I'm like, (laughs) like, there you go. There's the proof. Like you don't need a website doesn't equal money. Especially like if you know sales, like it's one of the things where if you have a good network and you have a solution that actually solves a problem, especially in the agency model, like if you're good at selling and you, you actually solve a problem, you, you start getting more work than you can actually do as a single human being. And then you have the other problem of trying to scale your team. You mentioned you had 100K in revenue four months in and you had a team. Like, how did you go about, because I think this is another problem most people have. They bottleneck themselves in their business for the first two, three, four years. How did you understand how to build up to that team so quickly. It sounds like you did it fairly quick compared to other stories that I've heard from other people. I think, and I didn't do this intentionally. I wish I did, but it's constraints. It was either hire or don't take on these new clients or take on the new clients and not be able to fulfill on it. So it was like, there wasn't an option. The only option was to hire people to do the thing. It was a constraint that I had. And that's the problem when you get resources, be it money, time, whatever, you have to like artificially put those constraints back on yourself because you'll let the money and the extra time solve those problems for you. Whereas if you're like backed into a hole, you're like, oh fuck, what am I going to do? Like I got to hire somebody tomorrow to do this. And so we hired people. Very wise advice. So let's roll with that and say there's somebody that's out there that has their back against the wall and and needs to hire and has the work coming in. Where did you find good people versus bad people? I'll drop some real value that like <laughs> save a lot of people a lot of heartache right here. So here's exactly how I hire. So we've got a team of 18 people right now. Probably 95% of them I've hired off Upwork. And a lot of people are like, oh, I've tried to hire on Upwork and like all I get is garbage. Like you're doing it wrong. So one, everything I do starts out, there's two test projects involved before I will ever even talk to someone. The first one is a very short test project. You want something that's going to take them less than 10 minutes to do, but be a first filter because you're not going to pay them. You're going to say, here's our business. Here's what we're doing. You're going to sell the dream. And then you're going to say, the first step is to complete this test project. I send them to a Google form. The Google form has all of our positions and they select the one they're applying for. They say round one. It takes them to the round one test project. They complete that test project. We filter down from there. We usually pick like the top three to five from that first round. And I involve my team in that as well. Obviously, if you don't have a team, you wouldn't have to do that. But I'm like, 
which one of these people are good? And they're like, these three. And I'm like, all right. Now I reach out to those three. I'm like, hey, I'm going to pay you 50 bucks to complete this test project. It's going to take you an hour to an hour and a half. Are you down? They're like, I'm down. I send them that test project. Takes them about an hour, hour and a half. And we go through the same process again. We just evaluate it, whatever it is. Audio, video, copywriting, whatever, graphic design, whatever the skill set is. We evaluate that. And then I'll hop on at that point. Because then the hardest thing is to validate the skill because anyone like anybody can copy anybody's portfolio like you know how many graphic designers i've tried to hire where where they show me this thing and i do this dude is legit and then like (laughs) i get his first test project and i'm like did a blind person do this like what is going on there's like this huge disparity because a lot like people lie and they they're they're just desperate they want money they want a job so yeah, go through the test project thing, then get on a call with them because then you validated their skill set and you're just saying this person can do the job unquestionably. Are they a good fit? Will I enjoy working with them? So when I get on a call with them, I don't ask them any typical interview questions. I just have a conversation with them just how we are now. Where do you live? What do you do? You have a family, blah, blah, blah. What do you do on the weekend? And I just want to like see if I feel like I get a good vibe from them or not. Because I'm going to have to like depend on this person, work with this person. And then from there, we make a decision and we hire. And I've got some great people through that exact process. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Ryan. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you though that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, Sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Ryan Helms. I specifically love how you kind of separated the person and their work. And what I mean by that is you used a form of a test to validate their work where it's more objective rather than subjective, because if you have three people that are doing a certain thing, they might all produce great work, but you then get to see like, would this person do great work for the specific thing that I'm working on? Mm -hmm. So like if you have two different podcasts and say one is a business-based podcast, well, you can see based on those different three people who writes business lingo better, right? So it's more objective to your visual once you do that. But then once you also get them on the phone, it takes away the pressure of like feeling like you have to validate that other side of them where they can talk more freely and then understand whether like this person would be a good person uh, Mm -hmm. for your specific company. And then also as a leader for your team, would this person get along with my team? So I love that was phenomenal advice. And I'm going to parlay that into the podcast side of the world. One of the things I think that overwhelms people when they first start podcasts is like, if anyone listening has looked at my videos and you see our setup where it's like headsets, we got two cameras, I got a Zoom H6 recorder, I got lights. My podcast didn't start like that. It started with just my phone and my AirPods. And then same with Ryan, like he started in a closet. So I think the overwhelming thing for people is just like how to get started. I'd love if you would give a rundown of a system that like people should initially start with and then at what time should they start considering moving to that next level because mm-hmm. you and I both know when we move to the next level but I for one think I should have started sooner so I don't think I did it right and I have my own advice on that but I'd love to hear yours on like what should they start with and how do they when when is the right time to start asking like I should be moving yeah. at a little bit quicker of a speed yeah before you get to the the equipment stuff and like when to start I think you need to really answer like, should you start a podcast? Mm. I had a sales call, it was either yesterday or Tuesday. And the lady, she was qualified. 
she had the money, she had raised uh, VC, so she had the funds, she had a lot of the things you would need. She had access to the space, all the equipment, all the things. And I was like, mm, start asking her questions. I'm like, there's a lot better things that you could do. She had no audience, she had no email list, she had no social media, she had a generic message that she was going after. She was going after a broad market and she wanted it to help grow an app that she was in this incubator for that she had raised the money for. I'm like, this money that you're going to be giving to me, you need to be investing that somewhere else because a podcast is hard to grow. And unless you have like a target market specifically that you're going after, you missed the boat. Like you asked earlier, like how did you get a hundred thousand plus downloads on your podcast so quickly? Cause I was early at early mover advantage. Uh, if you're starting a podcast now in the current year, that's, you're going to be... It's like buying a house in Austin right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're looking and it's painful to, to see the prices. Um, but yeah, you need to answer that first. And so I would try to check these boxes. Do you have charisma and personality that you can bring to the table? Because no one wants to listen to a dry, dull person. Uh, do you have some sort of expertise in something? I don't care if it's history, business, whatever it is. Do you have some sort of expertise that you can bring to the table that's going to allow you to show up in a, in a bigger way? And do you have the time to put into it, to actually produce content consistently. Because a lot of times people will get started, they'll stop for a month, they'll start back up. And if, I don't know if you've ever did that or if you've been super consistent, but you'll see that like you'll lose people even if you stop for like a short period of time. So I would say if you can check those boxes, if you can show up, you've probably might have heard this before, edutainment, education plus entertainment. If you can like bring that to the table, plus, you know, the time and the expertise, then maybe you should start a podcast. But if you can't, I wouldn't recommend starting just a general podcast because it's going to be really tough to grow. I get on sales calls all the time with these people. They're like, yeah, we got like 14 listeners. We've been doing this for a year and a half. I'm like, you're dull as hell. You have no entertainment aspect to this at all. You're just interviewing anyone that would say yes to sitting down with you. And you're not consistent. Like you'll put one out this week, four out the next week, none for the next month. I love that you started with this and kind of did a sidebar because it hits home with a lot of people that I talk to because they'll see that I have a podcast and they'll start thinking, well, I've been thinking about it. And they don't view it as a business. And what I mean by that is not to make money. Like I, I'm, we were talking about this before the show. Like I'm very hesitant to try and monetize my podcast because it is my baby and I don't want it to be inauthentic, but I view it as a business. What I mean by that is I show up week over week over week as if someone is paying me to do it. And I have a responsibility to make it happen, even though I'm not seeing an influx in capital directly from the podcast. So to answer your question of like, have I ever stopped? Like I've done every single week for three years straight. Cool. This I literally this week is the, I started in April 2nd, I think 2019. Yep. So three years straight, at least one a week. I'm up to two a week now. And the difference between me and I think other people is I saw it as my long-term career, whether I got paid or not, that I wanted to interview and share other people's stories. Because one, this doesn't feel like work to me. I love it. Two, it sharpens my skills like communication. Three, I get to learn how to produce better media, which I very much enjoy. And then I think the last aspect of it is it's a legacy. It leaves like my future kids when that time comes where I'm no longer a part of this universe. Like there's going to be stuff out there where people can listen to not only me, but the people that I got to interact with. And I feel like that's super powerful. And most people are not coming at it like that, so mm. especially like the woman you mentioned that's trying to do the app. Like if she comes at it from a more of a hobbyist, it's one thing, but there's a lot of people I've talked to that want to like, I want to start a podcast and I want to get the listens like right now and I want to monetize it right now. And it's just like, that's not really, I mean, maybe five to 10 years ago, you could potentially do that. But right now that's not how podcasts need to be utilized. Yep. So let's say we validated the market. We got somebody that's like, hey, I'm in this for the long run. I'm going to be doing this at least for the next five to 10 years. Where should I start? Should I make yep. my logo first? Should I go buy a new phone? Should I get headsets? Like, what should that person do in yeah. your eyes? I would say, and just to close the loop on the time thing, I always tell any, even new clients that we sign, you got to be committed to this for a year at minimum. Like you need to say like, I'm going to show up every week for a year. I'm not going to care about the stats. If anyone's listening, mm -hmm. I'm just going to show Facts. up for a year. 
And then you can evaluate, okay, are things moving in the direction that I want to go in? Do I want to continue doing this? But I think always just give yourself that one-year commitment. And that's not just podcasting. If you want to start YouTube, if you want to start a business, like you got to give it time to grow and to take root. But just to get started, I would start off with doing this. I would start off with just a hybrid show, meaning some interviews, some solo content. Like, let's assume you have something that you're on the back end of this, some type of business that you want to start a business off of it or something like that. So you want to elevate your thought leadership on said topics. I would interview some people and I'll show up on solo episodes. I would buy a hundred dollar, probably like an ATR 2100 USB microphone, plug straight into the side of your computer, audio is solved. You don't have to do video. I'd recommend doing video because you just get so many more assets that you can do out of it. Like just gives you much more ammunition. But if you just wanted a pure audio podcast, which what mine was, you could totally do that. Literally all you need is a microphone that you could get started today for under a hundred dollars. And that's not an infomercial. Like that's real life. I love that. Uh, so you need a space to record in. Obviously carpet is great. Like stuff on the wall is great to reduce like echo and stuff like that. Cause you want to sound like a, a professional. And I would just, uh, can I tell you, uh, I'm, I'm kind of a little tangent, but I can tell you. No, uh, this is amazing. Like, uh, so yeah, he, here, amazing. here's a great idea. And I'm debating on doing it. I'm kind of tossing it around. So if anybody wants to steal it, you can either do it in Austin or in any city that you live in. And you'll see this short come out on my Instagram uh, in a few weeks. But I think that one of the most interesting opportunities in podcasting right now is to try to become a local celebrity by creating a very niche podcast around your city. So the idea I came up with around Austin, let's just call it something like, Austin's elite entrepreneurs. So like, let's pretend that's the name of my podcast. I would just find high level entrepreneurs. Think about like the type of person you'd want to associate with that you'd want to be around. Cause I'm thinking about like, I'm new to the city. Like I want to meet some like some savages in Austin, like some like A players. I just need to start interviewing a bunch of A players. Then you build a network you build a audience, right, via the podcast, likely an audience of all people in Austin, and you build friendships through the process. So like, if I was starting a podcast from scratch, this is like a little sidebar, but that's what I would do. I would create these, what I would call like a hyper-local podcast. You could do it in Atlanta, Denver, any city that you live in. I would just figure out the type of people, maybe it's historians of Austin, I don't know, right? But just like figure out if you want to hang out with historians, you want to hang out with business people, athletes, like you could do this on any niche and you could build an awesome network. You could create a awesome podcast that you could market very like kind of boots on the ground. You could fucking throw stickers up on street poles and stuff like this. Like I just think it would be a really cool experiment that I would love uh, to see someone actually do. This is a great idea, and so my brother and his wife, I'm going to have to send this clip to him afterwards, but she's been wanting to start, I think, like a water ice, uh, a small business, a water ice business, and I feel like this is a great idea. They live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I feel like this is a great idea for them because like, when you're a small business, nothing is more powerful than knowing other small business owners Like in the small business world, especially here in Austin. It's like rising tides lift all ships. Um, how can we help each other? And it's one of those things where he's not necessarily looking to start it within the next year, but he could start a, a podcast within the next year and interview small business owners in and around his town. And he can learn like the pros, the cons, like everything around his town and create those connections so that when he does, if they do open this facility that they're hitting the ground running rather than like starting flat. And yeah. I think that what you just said goes above and beyond. I think it really applies to the corporate person as well that doesn't really know the idea that they want to do. But if you just hang around people that are executing on ideas, I know for me that when I joined a startup hub in Houston, that's when I really opened my eyes to, wow, there's so much that I could potentially work on. And I do have a lot of skills because when I was in the startup arena, the amount of people that are looking for talent and help is like way greater than going online and looking at send us your resume. Like when you're in a startup hub, people are like, I'll take any help that I can get. Just like kind of like you go on Upwork, but it's yep. just like all in one spot. It's like, hey, I need help in social media. I'll be like, I'll barter with you. I'll trade you an hour of my time. I'll help you with your social media page, but you got to do this for me. You need to connect me to this angel or this VC. And I want to get office hours with them and pick their brand. Like, so we would trade. And I think a podcast is a great way to go about that. 
and we're talking a lot about entrepreneurship and, and stuff like that, but just to take it back, because I think we were both in the corporate world. And I know like when you're in that space, it can seem like everybody else is like miles ahead of you and it's like impossible. I think this strategy that I just mentioned with the podcast could also greatly increase the speed of your career yeah. uh, and climbing the ladder. Example. Let's just use, because I'm a horrible example, so I'm just going to use the position I had, right? I was a supply chain manager in a chemical company. If I'm looking to like advance my career, I might start a podcast on the supply chain industry where I interview CEOs and VPs of supply chains for all these other companies. And I just get FaceTime with all these C-suite people talking about the industry that I work in right now. Of course, through that conversation, they're going to find out I work for X company. They're going to find out I'm a mid-level manager, all that I'm going to show up. They're going to feel like they know me, they trust me. And think about like, then when you're, when you, if maybe you want a job now, maybe you're going to want a job a year from now, you have all these connects you can reach out to. And they're going to be like, man, Ryan, that was an amazing conversation we had. Like, yeah, I'd love to sit down and see if we have any opportunities that you might be a good fit for. Like, I think there's so many ways to just use that model of letting a podcast be the gateway to the conversation that you can just like hack like crazy. What you just said reminds me of the statement, serve, don't sell. Serve the community that you're in. So if you are that mid-level manager, you know the pain points of those other mm -hmm. VPs or managers or, or executives. Serve, if you're an executive, they're always looking for new clients and stuff like that. So how can you connect the clients to that executive? If you're serving that person, eventually you're going to build a community that is also going to serve you in that long run. So I love how you put that. I'd love to dive a little bit into the nitty gritty only because uh, I have a podcast and selfishly, I want to learn more. So I watched the video on like, what should you host on some of these other videos? So I'm just going to kind of like rapid fire, ask you some questions that way the other people listening um, can either hear it here or I would love for you to go to Ryan's YouTube. He's been crushing it there. But I think outside of that person getting started and getting some gear and making it cheap, it becomes really overwhelming really quickly of like, okay, I need to host my podcast somewhere. I need to be collecting video and distributing content. Let's assume that somebody has two episodes going out per week, just like you said, one guest, one solo. What should they be doing after they're collecting that podcast? So I, I have the audio and I have video. What do I do with it? I would hire somebody on Upwork using the process that I mentioned. I would hire like an audio video editor for relatively cheap. You don't need anyone great. I would do the test projects to find out someone is good, but let the budget they're asking for kind of dictate. What should they spend? I would say for a, a audio video person, I would spend uh, 12 to $15 an hour. If this is like a hobby for me, like we, we have several people, we pay way more than that. Yeah. But if like this is a hobby and you not don't need like, super great stuff like you'll get good stuff i would spend somewhere in that range I mean, you could find someone cheaper for sure but like i'm trying to get somebody good not somebody like mediocre so 12 to 15 bucks could you get someone for 10 absolutely what is good good would be someone that understands their craft and they can make your audio sound good the car drives by they can take the stuff out of the background if there's echo they can pull the reverb out um, video they understand animations and stuff like this like popping your name up on the screen and um, they can maybe create short form content out of that stuff as well uh, good is subjective but i think it's more about the general skill set they have sweet yeah and then in your eyes what is something that you see a lot of people doing that you think is a waste of time in terms of podcasting? Mm, um, recording really long content. I think that everyone thinks they, they see Joe Rogan. They're like, I want to do a three hour interview. And I'm like, bro, you're not Joe Rogan. Like, you didn't start in 2007. <laughs> and just to give you a couple rules of thumb, if you go off the model that I said, and you do one solo episode and one interview, and those could be both in the same week, you could do one week of interview, one week of solo, like whatever your schedule uh, allows, just one, be consistent. Whatever schedule you're going to pick, roll with that schedule. Find that good person to edit it. Make sure that you're publishing on a consistent basis. Chop it up in as many places as possible. And uh, use that editor that you're going to hire. Incentivize that person when they do a good job. Like, again, we said we're going to commit to like a year of this, right? So make sure you're like incentivizing. They do a great job. Give them a little bonus because mm. you're probably going to be hiring people in like 
Africa, like Eastern Europe, Philippines, places like that. So like you throw somebody 25 bucks, that could be huge for them, right? You don't know like what they're struggling with and stuff like that. So I would just keep a couple of these That's things like, yeah, in, in mind as you, as you get started. What platforms should they be distributed on? What is what is the most powerful platform today? Because that's, I think, one of the number one things that stresses people out is yep. there's so many social media platforms. What do I do? Yeah, I wouldn't wait. As far as social goes, I wouldn't waste my time on anything except for Instagram Reels, TikTok, and YouTube Shorts. I wouldn't do anything else. Bam. Listen to the man. Why? That's where your most reach is. Why... Do something that's going to get you mediocre results when there's an alternative that will get you better results. And less work. I find that the reels and, and the shorts and the uh, TikTok, one, it's more fun to create, but two, it's a little bit, it's less intensive than creating, I think, what a lot of people are doing. You don't have to be like dancing and pointing at bubbles and shit like that. You know, like you can literally take clips from your podcast, put them up there. Are they going to get millions of views? Probably not. Are they going to get more than if you upload it as like a default like square video or something? Absolutely. So 100% I would take my podcast. If I wasn't even going to put it on YouTube, I would just take a couple clips out of that, upload it as Instagram Reels, TikTok, and YouTube Shorts. And if you want to put it on YouTube, uh, you can do that as well. Just don't have high expectations because there's, for most people, there's a difference between podcast content and YouTube content. Podcast content oftentimes doesn't work great on YouTube and YouTube content doesn't work great as a podcast. You can bridge the gap. It goes back to what I said earlier about having that big personality, that that charisma, that enthusiasm. If you have that, you can bridge that gap sometimes and your content can perform good on, on both places or if you already have a big audience. Like there's a lot of examples of people that do great on YouTube in like a traditional podcast, but most of the time, Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, people like this that already have big audiences. Yeah, which isn't the average person. Yep. This is great. I'd love to dive into like, what does your workflow look like? So mm. again, I'm just kind of hammering the nail right now on what comes up for people. And a lot of issues I've seen around is like, okay, I get the video and the audio. I might have somebody that I'm working with, but for instance, let's just say that I want to create reels and I want to create TikToks and I want to create YouTube, have the person that I'm working with. What type of softwares and technology are you using to make sure that that's sufficient? I personally started off on Trello. We started our agency off on Trello as well. Trello got us to $200,000 just to kind of put it at scale, like just to give you some context. Then we outgrew it. But if you're a one-man shop, I would just use Trello. I would create a workflow that says like episode idea. Cause if you don't know Trello is like, it's a Kanban board system. So it's like columns. Think about it like that. I would have a one column that's like episode ideas, one column that says like ready to edit, meaning you had recorded it. This is where your editor would come into play. He would have a checklist. Uh, Trello has something. They actually acquired this plugin called the Butler bot. I assume it's still called Butler now. I haven't used Trello in a while. You can build automation. So like when you move it into that column, you could have it automatically add a checklist for your audio or video editor. So when he's done, he can move it to the next column, which could say social media, if we're going to just do what we talked about earlier uh, in social media. It signs it to you, adds another little checklist for you to run through, post as a reel, post as TikTok, upload to now Facebook has reels as well. You can post that same content on LinkedIn as well, YouTube shorts, right? Go through your little checklist. And then the last column is completed and it just runs through that process and it has a due date on it. And yeah, you just take people through it. I fucking love that you said this because it's, it's funny. You mentioned, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm pointing at a goals of today whiteboard. This is from a couple of weeks ago, but one of our clients, I was helping them build out the workflow of their podcast. And I have created a Trello board that anybody can use. So if you're listening to this and you want to start your own podcast, just hit me up. I'll literally share this free board. I could probably charge for this. I definitely could charge for this, but it's a board that kind of just directly states what Ryan is saying. It kind of has all the like do's and don'ts and a checklist and everything. And then you move it over. And then the other thing that I would just add to what you're saying is I back it up with a, a Google drive where it's just like you attach the files in there. So if anybody 100%. has any questions, like 
if I'm an editor and I don't know where the files are, like I go to episode 123, I can literally go into Google Drive and just type in E123 and all the files just come up. The way that I segment them is audio, video, photos, notes, and like anybody that is on the team can have access to them. And again, like Ryan said, if you're a one-man show, it's very easy to stay organized. um, And we do the same thing. Like we Google Drive, even when I was a one-man show, it was Google Drive. At our company scale now, it's Google Drive. Naming files is actually really important, especially as like if this turns into a business like it did for me. So, but we still basically do the same thing. But an episode is now called the abbreviation. So it, yours might be like TOL, like Thrive on Life. It would be like TOL one twenty three, right? And everything like the show notes would be like TOL one twenty three show notes. The real would be TOL one twenty three real. So like that naming convention. So you would tell your your editor to follow that same naming convention. So like you said, you can find everything. Each episode has its own folder, like all this kind of stuff. Like we can get like super granular because we've got over forty clients now and eighteen people on our team. So it's like we're like have to have really good systems and processes in place. So I I mean this is the shit that I that I live for. It's like solving a complex problem by simplicity. Yeah. Like when you see it just simply put and it's so weird because I'm really organized in this sense, but if like my wife gets on me all the time, like in a lot of areas of my life I'm disorganized, but when it comes to systems in business it's like I'm constantly trying to shift And I guess, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but it's also a form of laziness. It's because like, I want to get it as simple as quickly as possible because I don't want to work. I want to just like take a step back and be like, oh, everything is just working smoothly without me because I don't have to tell somebody where it should be or, or why it should be there. I'd love to pick your brain on a little bit of the stuff that you've been doing. You're pumping content all the time. What has been the content that has been working the best for you? Mm. Yeah, I actually recorded more short form content this morning. So I record about a month at a time, short form content that is, and I've got a podcast as well and then like longer form YouTube stuff. So what's been working the best? It's a little bit of a tricky question because it's like, what is best? Is it reach? Is it clients? Is it like, what is it? Uh, So I would say as far as reach, Instagram Reels have been working uh, the best for us followed by YouTube Shorts. And last for us has actually been TikTok. Um, TikTok's just not been picking up with my personal content. Are you posting cross-platform or are you creating native content for each pack? Native. Native, Native, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, let me take that back. It's the same content, but we don't like upload it to TikTok and download it and it has yeah. the watermark. Like it's Yeah, you're rewriting the copy. Like, yeah. yeah. It's the same uh it's the same content, but it's individually uploaded to each platform. So there's no watermarks in it. Cause they actually like ding you. Like if you upload something onto Instagram that has a TikTok watermark, like that's super easy for their technology to to see. And they're like, no, I'm gonna depress your views because you're promoting TikTok on our Now, are you actually posting or do you have a team do it for you? I have a team. Uh, The only place I post is on LinkedIn and my personal Facebook. My team manages everything else. I have a guy who edits all the content and I've got a a girl that posts all the Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, et cetera. Are you using any social uh, calendar platforms? Nope. Everything we have is in ClickUp. Everything is managed in ClickUp. Yeah. Sweet. So what it, run us through that that looks like. I know what it looks like, but just so somebody can kind of like. Yeah, it's, it's if Trello were to like start doing steroids and like get fucking jacked, like that's click up. <laughs> like it just has like every feature that you could ever possibly want. And for like 95% of people, it's going to be excessive overkill. But for us, like you can create like such a hierarchy and I could nerd out on this stuff. So like, go for it. Let's go. Um, like our business and ClickUp has really three big components. We call it delivery, operations, and growth. And these in, Cl- in ClickUp are called spaces. So under the delivery space, um, there's folders and the folders are episode task, social media task, project task and SOPs. Within the folders, like within the episode task folder, each client has their own, what they call a list. And within the list is where the tasks live. And the task in our conversation right here would be an episode, right? A podcast, a YouTube Mm -hmm. video, et cetera. And the reason we structured it like that is because in ClickUp, 
you can share anything publicly. So I can take that list and I can make it public and I can share it with the client. So they never have to create a login and remember something else. Cause that was always a roadblock to like, Oh, I got to create another login just to see my, my content. I'm like, Nope, here's a public link. It's pinned in the Slack channel that we have with the client. They can always pop in, see where their content is at all times, access it at all times without going into Google Drive, without going anywhere else. Uh, see due dates, see all the information they gave us, they can, they can see everything. Uh, and then like our social media content, most of our stuff is attached to a podcast episode, so we're turning social media content from an episode so it all lives together. Uh, but we have some clients we manage social for separately. Like me, I consider myself a client of my own business. So we, we operate like that. I don't treat my stuff any differently. It has due dates. I have to have content submitted on time, yada, yada. So that goes in the social media folder. Again, everything has due dates, assignees, there's templates for everything. So like a new episode comes in, it's Thrive on Life podcast. The lady on my team that manages that stuff, she's going to process it, apply the Thrive on Life template. It's going to pull in all your subtasks with all the people on it, all the information, everything already done. So you're not having to like manually put in stuff. And then operations, that space has like all of our HR stuff. The growth one has our folder for sales and a folder for marketing. Marketing would be me brainstorming ideas for uh, social content, like creating project outlines for like courses, stuff like that. And sales is where like our CRM lives and kind of like our client hub where like it has all of our like core client information, like how much their retainer is when they started, who's the key contact, what's their podcast host, all that kind of stuff. All those records are built out in there. So like that's the click up overview and there's like whiteboard functionality in there. There's all kinds of stuff. So dude, we could go forever on that. How much does that go for per month? They have a free plan. So like you could use 98% of it for free. It's based on number of users. I think we pay like 1200 bucks a year or something for it, but like you could use it for free. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I then Slack that. is the other key piece of our business. Like ClickUp and Slack is 99.9% .9 of our business. What has been like the sticking point for you in terms of the amount of content that you're putting out? Because mm -hmm. I think, especially coming from the corporate world, people, I don't think they weight content as much mm. as they should be. Again, they don't look at it like a business, yeah. but I see you pumping content. So I know you know that it's like, it's less about, man, this one got only a hundred views. Yeah. Like it's more about the whole painting Yeah. and people from, again, I'm not picking on the corporate world. I was there. They're not valuing that enough and not understanding the value of just continuing. Mm. But for someone in your shoes where you do know the value of it, putting out multiple pieces of content a day on multiple platforms. What has now become the sticking point? Is there any problems that you're, you're trying to solve currently at the capacity that you're at? Yeah, I would say probably doing more. Sticking points would just be going back to just time, trying to grow the core business, plus continuing to put out content, but it's totally worth it. Like you need to be putting out content in some capacity, even if you're not getting the views and stuff that you want or desire. Because for me, I like looking at the numbers purely because I'm trying to see what's working because we have a bunch of clients and I need to like, okay, this is working. Like, let's try it on this client, like that type of stuff. But I just want people to be seeing me. Only reason I'm doing content as a business is so people see me. I don't care if a million people see me. I just need 10 people to see me. And if they see me, that means I'm top of mind. And if I'm top of mind, that means when they bump into somebody next weekend when they're out and they talk about wanting to start a podcast, they're like, oh, like Ryan, the only reason that I do content is to stay top of mind with someone. I have no idea who that person is, but I just want them to brand see awareness. my stuff. Yeah, it's just brand awareness. That's the only reason I don't expect anyone to click a link in my bio. I don't expect to get a million views or even 10,000 views. I just want the right people to see it. And I want to always be showing up for the right people. That is a very, I love that answer. And I wish more people could understand that and, and go about life in that way. So I, I really appreciate that. But we're getting close to wrapping up here. And towards the end of podcasts, I always like to introduce the questions of what it is that you actually do and, and feel free to name drop your company and, and the type of clients that you help because ultimately at Thrive On Life, we're trying to connect people that are on the other end of this podcast and potentially be able to work with you. I'd, I'd love to hear 
through the grapevine that somebody heard of this podcast or listened to this podcast and then that ended up working with your company. So feel free to just take this question however you want to go yeah. um, and basically shout yourself out. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so we kind of think about content a little bit differently and we call them content funnels. So everything we do, we work with people who have businesses on the back end. They could be going after what I said, right? Just brand awareness. But if you look at the reason I'm doing brand awareness, because I have a company that I'm like hoping people see and then like eventually book a call with us or tell somebody, et cetera. So we create content funnels, which is basically a fancy way of like strategically positioning content. So it ties back to your business because a lot of people will pump out content just for the sake of pumping out content. And it's like, if you don't, if you're not like thinking about the type of content you're putting out and why you're putting it out, like even if people see it, it's going to be the wrong message. It's going to fall flat. Like they're not going to know where to go, what to do, all that kind of jazz. So we help people like strategically position content through podcasts and YouTube. And then we take that content and we chop it up into Instagram reels, TikTok, blogs, emails. We manage social media accounts, like managing like DMs and comments and all that kind of stuff. So anything you can do with content, we do it. And uh, we primarily work with uh, business owners, uh, to have an online presence and have some type of like thought leader type of role within the company. Uh, Cause like I said earlier, like if you're going to do content, you have to have the enthusiasm, the charisma. So if like you're a CEO and you're like dry as hell, but you're like, I want to start a podcast. Like we're probably not the person for you. And I'll probably tell you that if we get on a sales call, I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, I don't think this is going to go anywhere. Cause I don't want to sign on a new client or start trying to help somebody and devote a bunch of time and then two months later they're like oh yeah it's not for me so yeah business owners thought leaders if you want to create content we can help you legacypodcasting.com that's where it's at love that and if someone listens to this and they're that type of person and they want to reach out to you what's the best way to get in contact with you hello at legacypodcasting.com is the email or just hit me up on instagram uh it's ryan helms i-t-s ryan helms Awesome. And there's one thing that you do after listening to this podcast, go check out Ryan's content. If you have a podcast, if you're looking to start one, check out his content. It's super value driven. That's why I love it. It's literally straight to the point. You put basically the title of what you're trying to solve, what problem you're trying to help people solve right in the caption and literally caption videos. It's really easy to comprehend and follow along with. The context is there. So I highly recommend checking it out. But the last question that I always ask everybody and you're not going to get away without answering it as well, is what does thriving mean to you? So if I were to ask you, what does it mean to thrive? What is the first thing that comes to mind? I would say first thing that comes to mind is feel good, perform well. Whew. Usually it takes people to like 10 seconds to at least answer. And you, you came up with that really good. Feel good, perform well. What do you mean by that? I think if you do anything in life, you want to feel good. You don't want to be like, your body hurting, inflammation, like depressed. So like feel good and then perform well. Like if you feel good, you can show up, right? You have a clear mind. You can bring your best each day when you show up, right? You wake up in the morning, you're ready to crush it. Whether you're going into the office or opening up your computer for your own business, like you can show up and you can perform well. Like I would say then you're, you're thriving. Everything else after that, a lot of ways will kind of like work itself out. Things, if you can nail those two, you can... Everything else, Everything else just falls in line. Yeah. I like that a lot. Thank you for that. Thank you for spending time here today. Sure. Now you're a super busy guy. So it's, uh, it's not, you got a lot going on and I just appreciate your time and all the value that you dropped on here at the end of every episode, kind of go through what I think my biggest takeaway was and go back to the beginning of the podcast where you were talking about when I asked you the question of like, what does someone do to start the podcast? And you kind of backtracked into more of the why they think that they're starting it and to make them realize that if they're not willing to give up and sacrifice for a year that maybe it's not the right modality for them to get into. And I think for me, I took that in not just podcasting, but in a lot of areas of my life. And I think a lot of people out there in today's day and age, there's shiny object syndrome. And something I heard my buddy Corey on, on LinkedIn, he posted, be less busy, get better. Something along those lines where it's like focus on being better and less busy. And it really hit home with me. And it's funny because I, I think this, I read that yesterday and then you said this today and it's really having me kind of like think about my own podcast and everything else that I'm putting into it and focusing on doing less, but where can I improve in those areas and consistently improve? And that takes sacrifice and time. And I think a lot of people don't realize that and 
they want it all right now rather than saying like, what is something I can give my all to for one year, two years, three years, whatever time frame that you choose, but really take a step back and reflect and, and say no to the other things and like just give yep. that time frame all of that you have. So, and I think it's quality over quantity. Like that's something that a lot of people preach more and more and more, and they sacrifice quality for the sake of just putting out more, right? Whatever that is. And I think focusing on the quality aspect of it, like you said, is is big. For me, it's like I think people do more because it makes them feel quote unquote better, but they don't have a result that they're actually trying to attain. And it's just this cycle, like this hamster wheel. More will never get you to the result that you never defined. Yep. You know a uh, guy here in Austin, Noah Kagan? Yeah, yeah. So I'm friends with his buddy who runs his uh, YouTube channel, Jeremy, and they were doing three videos a week. And when they went to one video a week, the channel started growing faster because they started putting more effort into one video and the channel grew exponentially faster when they were putting out three videos. So just a, a random example that some people might know the name to kind of drive that point home. Awesome. Well, we will end there. Quality over quantity. Again, Ryan, I thank you for your time. This is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. I love y'all. Please save and share this with a friend that you think wants to start a podcast or connect with Ryan. If you already started a podcast and you love some content, I'll talk to you guys soon. Thrive on. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.